If I were a rich man. All day long. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the What's Up with Hungry podcast. I'm your host, Ben Novak. Joining me today is the always very special and lovely Mr. Peter Erde. And uh, we have an interview. We'll be talking to uh, both Peter and to Juji Viert, who is a journalist with the investigative journalism NGO Direct 36. And we'll be talking about asset declarations and uh, some interesting stories that they've published recently. So let's get started. Build a big tall house with the rooms by the dozen right in the middle. Joining us today is uh, Juji Viert. She is a journalist with uh, the investigative journalism NGO Direct 36. Thank you for joining us today, Juji. Thank you very much. A few months ago, Prime Minister Orban said that uh, that every member of uh, parliament and the government um, has to file an asset de- declaration. And that asset declaration has to comply with reality. So it has to have everything listed that they own. Um, and he said for those who don't do that and who don't do this properly, it's a crime. Yeah, and he also emphasized that uh, members of his cabinet, ministers and state secretaries, that's especially true for them. So um, I guess my c- question then is then geared to both of you, both Juji and Peter. Now, you guys have been collaborating on this uh, on this online platform called Vodion Karasher, which is like an asset searching um, program where you uh, essentially take the asset declarations of these uh, parliamentarians or uh, members of the government. And then what do you do with them? Uh, we, we, we build a huge database, which transforms the data inside the asset declarations um, to a usable form. You can uh, analyze the data, you can use it to, to put pressure on politicians to comply with the truth when they file their declaration. You have to understand that in Hungary, when the poli- politicians do their asset declarations and financial releases, they are, it's a piece of paper written and it's scanned and it becomes a, a JPEG, a picture file essentially. So you are unable to search it you're unable to catalog it, as is the system is set up in a way that prevents journalists or pretty much anyone else to look at the, the financial releases and figure out anything. Well, what I would what I would ask you guys then is that if you say that it's specifically set up this way, um, do you have any evidence to show that uh, there are cases in which politicians are filing asset declarations and these asset declarations, as unsearchable as they are, do not match up with reality? Yes, yes, there are multiple cases, I think, from the recent years and from, from before also. We are talking about tens of thousands of asset declarations, and it's basically not... Uh, so nobody checks uh, whether they comply with reality at all. Sometimes journalists do, but um, yeah, the, we don't the, have the capacity to do, to do that with every as, declaration. As, especially so. before this database. As Juja said, there is no authority, there is no state body looking at these uh, declarations. So they they file it at the beginning of the year and they file it when they get into office and they file it when they leave office. The parliament has a immunity and financial declaration committee, but they don't actually look at the documents and and see if they are true or, or if the information is true or not. They just look at if people filed their declarations in time or not. You guys, Direct36 has, uh, has published a, a number of stories recently about politicians whose asset declarations did not quite match up with reality. 
Um, two in particular that I can recall off the top of my head is one considering this guy, he's an MP and a uh, and, and an un- undersecretary in the Ministry of National Development, this guy Tasho, and there's also a Prime Minister Orban. Can you tell me a little bit about um, what you guys uncovered with Tasho? Yeah, uh, well, Tasho is a Minister of State responsible for uh, transportation. He keeps a low profile, I mean, he's, he's not very much on, on TV. But he is a very powerful politician in uh, Eastern Hungary, uh, a city called Niradoin. Well, seemingly he filed his uh, asset declarations very accurately and it is very detailed, but uh, I managed to find uh, several assets, uh, actually several properties that uh, were entirely left out of his asset declarations for, I think, eight or ten years. These uh, properties happened to be on a very important location in Niradoin, in the center of a, of a future huge investment. The future industry park in Niradoin will be at the, at the exact location where Tosho has where these uh, rather smallish lands, but uh, they might be very valuable to him because of, of the possibility of, of future development in the area. And so do you, you guys have published this story. Have you heard any feedback from, I don't know, maybe uh, the parliament or from uh, law enforcement officials saying, okay, we've, we realize that you have presented here evidence that an asset declaration was uh, turned in, but it wasn't actually accurate? Not at all. But it is very common that, uh, that uh, this uh, parliament committee does not react at all and that the tax authorities uh, do not care about uh, uh, media coverage uh, concerning politicians' assets. Government politicians. I'm sure if, if <clears throat> I'm sure if Tasho was a opposition MP, the tax authority would take a much more keen interest in what's going on with his asset declaration. And I think one more thing is there that uh, if you file a, a false uh, declaration, the first thing you do is you can just amend it. Like there's no consequence. Out of the out of the gate for lying on these papers, you just say, "Oh, I forgot," and then you res- resubmit it, and and that's pretty much it. That's what uh, that's what plenty of people did. I don't know if Tasho. Yeah, but Tasho is different uh, in this uh, this regard because uh, he he doesn't admit that he ha- that he made any mistakes. So he and did, he says he did. that it is uh, it is all real what he wrote into his. So he hasn't even amended his asset declaration. No. But no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not at all. I'm sorry, but so you found you went to the the land registry and you found land in his name that wasn't in his. Uh, Yes, yes, my statements are, are um, based on, on land registry data, on property leg- registry data, um, on, on public databases that, uh, that can be looked by anyone. But, uh, and, and you can see the, the land registry data and it is in different in uh, some cases. But does, he, but, com- but does he say the land registry is wrong or does he say no, that... No, he, he says that this is all wrong, I am lying and uh, he will file a lawsuit and, uh, and he is... Uh, his uh, all this uh, this article is uh, aimed to discredit him. Wow! That's all what he said. He he said multiple times that uh, he is going to file a lawsuit. I I wasn't. I I don't know whether he did it so far. I think no, not yet. He still has some time to do that, but I'm not sure about it. Well, another um, another person who uh, got a little bit of got a little bit of media attention thanks to your work is. Uh, 
the prime minister. So with the uh, prime minister, you guys, I, I'm, I'm assuming you went to the land registry near Fauchut somewhere, and you guys wrote this pretty lengthy piece about um, about the lands that are owned by uh, Prime Minister Orban in conjunction with some other people, but all around the Feldschutz Stadium. And these weren't listed on his asset declarations as well? Yes, yes. And I think Patikan, um, he was also in Feldschutz. We were together when we were trying to get data out of the, the local land registry office. And we had some difficulties because uh, after um, uh, asking for a certain number of, of uh, land registry documents, uh, the office uh, rejected our our uh, claim to to see these otherwise public can they, documents. Can they legally do that? Can the land registry office say that okay, you can't ask any more questions? Well, if you ask me, they cannot, but they did it anyway. I think yeah, I think it's clear that the law does not, you know. Uh, enables them to to pick and choose which requests to answer but on the other hand it's it's an office it's bureaucracy so there's a lady there you walk in you ask her a question you you submit the number every piece of land has like a, like special, a parcel number a yeah. parcel number so you you submit that number and say that you want to see who's the owner and then if the lady says no I'm not going to tell you, and there's like a new internal regulation for this, then what can you do? I mean, you know, it's it, that's her computer, she's sitting behind the desk, and that's exactly what happened. They asked too many questions at the Bichke, uh, the Bichke is the, the town near Falchu, the land registry is located at Bichke, and they went there, they asked too many questions, and after, I think, a week or two, of them constantly being them and submitting these uh, parcel numbers and looking at documents, they suddenly said, no, it's, this, is, this is not going to fly anymore. And you are not allowed to ask. I think the end of the day was like, you can't ask more than five. One person yes. on one day can't ask for more than five pieces of, uh, of land. So the, the way around that, I guess, is like you just go down with a group of people and well, then, that's what we did one time. That's exactly what happened. So we, at 444, we organized uh, whatever, cars. and Little so, caravan. Yeah, yeah. so we went down. And that was and a nice trip to the country. Is the public interested at all in this story? Is it something that they that you see people getting angry about? How, you know? I think that the general attitude is that, uh, yes, everyone knows that politicians are corrupt. Everyone knows that they file false declarations. Everyone knows that they keep lying and nothing happens. So I don't think they are really angry. They might be a little bit. I think it's different between stories. So for example, the Toshu kind of thing, where he has these lands and those lands are marked for development later on. So he's obviously there to profit from the later sale of the, or, or the letting out of these rent, of these lands. I think that's one story, and maybe that's a bit more abstract. Maybe that that's not that easy to catch people's attentions with. On the other hand, uh, just before the election, there was the the Rogan thing, how his uh, his flat kept expanding. Like he he had to like amend his uh, his declarations. I think multiple occasions, and all the time his he had to add more space to the flat he owns. 
people could relate to that because people live in a whatever 56 square meter flat in Budapest on average and so they saw this guy and how he said it was like 96 square meters I'm just and then it just it kept expanding every time a news report came out he would go every time a, in an investigative piece or whatever came out about how big his apartment is then he would go in and amend yeah. his uh, yeah something like that exactly and I think that story just because of the relatableness or relatability was caught more attention than Tasho, which is, I think, a worst offense, like leaving something completely out and leaving a piece of land that you know is going to be an expensive piece of land because of the municipality's development projects. But on the other hand, it's more people are, you know, it's harder to relate to because pe- people don't have these lands marked for development. And, yeah, and I think one of the other aspects of it is that within uh, in Rogan's case is that, you know, he was a relatively well-known uh governing party politician so people knew who he was and just watching this cat and mouse game of him running to go amend his asset declaration every every time a story came out about just how big his apartment was that was pretty funny my story on tasho uh, had a a follow-up and uh, the second uh, was about uh, some of his local businesses that uh, how how his relatives got involved in niradon businesses and uh, winning uh, millions of foreigns of EU money or state money, different ways, and using them to renovate a local old building, a mansion to to a private hotel, or uh, uh, running a bowling pub, uh, making uh, the restoration from EU money, and uh, also acquiring a a quite uh, uh, well-located shop building in the center of the city and uh, the people involved in these businesses which were financed by the local municipality of e- from EU money uh, the people involved are among them are uh, Tasho's daughter his uh, nephew some uh, other close relatives his wife and other relatives. so he's keeping it friends. keeping it in the family now you had yes, this you had this too. one aspect of your story that was really interesting to me so the municipality of Nirodon owned a hunting lodge that and uh it used to be some kind of estate like a little i don't know like a villa kind of kind of building yes it is a it's in an old mansion and it is called the castle by the locals it's not really a castle but it's it's called that way yeah it is an, a quite um, a nice old building and so this old building that was owned by the municipality um i guess the municipality got eu funds to refurbish or um yeah, I guess refurbish this uh, this old mansion, and then they sold it to Tasho. No, what actually happened is that uh, this hunting lodge was given uh, the right of common, I mean the right of use to to uh, a hunting society, which was headed by Tasho. Uh, this local um, local NGO uh, was the one that applied for EU funds, and they got them. And uh, with the leading of Tasho as as the head of this NGO. Uh, they managed to restore the old building and they transformed it to a private hotel. And after the restoration was finished, um, using uh, millions of of, uh, foreigns, the municipality, one month later, the municipality uh, sold the building of the castle to this NGO. And do you know for how much? For how much? uh, I I don't know an exact number, but it was around 1 million foreigns, which is uh, around 3,200 euros, I think. And do you have so, any, is there any information on how much the, the restoration cost? Yes, it was, uh, 
Let me look it up. It was around um, 38 million foreigns. So there seems to be quite a big difference. So that's more than a hundred thousand euros. Mm, oh, that's yeah, uh, that's yeah. That's, yes, it's more. It's uh, around hundred and twenty thousand euros. Was uh, that was one? This money was one to restore the the castle, and after the castle was sold to the NGO for one million forints. Does does that signal to you guys that a that a crime may have been committed there? Why? I'm sure that these this NGO will take great care of the... They are the spiritual sort of owners and they are the driving force behind it. They did all the work. The municipality was just there to... The municipality claims that uh, that um, the best possibility was to give away this castle and... Uh, As opposed to... Uh, what was what were, the, what were the other possibilities? Yes, they say <laughs> that they had no other possibilities. No other That's possibilities. Like, they, you, they you know... It. Every so often you find yourself in this situation that you own a castle and there's no other possibility than just to sell it to, to for like peanuts to somebody to to, to, to a government politician. I mean, you just I'm sure that our listeners know the feeling how that works. It's a terrible it feeling happens to us all the yeah, time. Yeah, and and I'm glad that they did it. They went through with it and not you know paid attention to all those naysayers who said there may be another option not selling it. So are you guys now working, you guys are now, this whole Tushel story to me is just outrageous. Um, number one, the whole asset declaration thing to me is is really interesting because I, I've only lived here for, for a few years and I've never really seen anything happen with asset declarations when it turned out that somebody turned one in that was false. Um, the other part of the Tushel story that's really interesting to me that, and that's outrageous is this whole selling off of this lodge for for what, like 3,000 euros after they put 120,000 into it to refurbish it. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know whether there'll be any consequences to this, but- um, We do. But e even if you know- no. But even mm -hmm. if you know that there's not gonna be any consequences to it, um, why would you then continue with Voyons Kera Point Who? Because you have to, because yeah, the, this is a, that is our task. To yeah, do, there think. is no, as for the uh, municipality, there is no alternative than to sell the lodge. For us, there is no other alternative than to go out and try to expose as many people as uh, possible if they break the law or they file false releases. What 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 are the other options saying? Eh. At, at least uh, that there is a possibility that they would be exposed by the media because of their wrongdoings. I think uh, that might have an effect. Yeah, and you know, I hope you can't really expect the, the prosecutor's office to like step in, or the tax tax authority, or the police in Hungary to like take a really close look at what's going on with the with the government politicians. Actually, I was going to ask you one thing. Do you think that? Uh, like some of the things Tasho failed to declare were like minor things, except for I think this the the development land. I think that was a big big piece of land that he failed to declare. Do you think that this was by accident or was it intentional? I'm not sure. Maybe maybe it wasn't uh, really intentional. Maybe he just didn't think it is important enough to declare. Yeah, because that's the uh, I think. That's the situation. I think when it it seems so unreal that these people would lie about like the the extra ten square meters, the the extra land that they own on top of like fifty other pieces of land. I mean, what difference would it make to to say, yeah, I own this? And it's so ridiculous that I think we got to this stage that there are politicians in Hungary 
they are so rich, they own so many assets, properties, everything, that it's just logistically, it's not easy for them to like, to map everything. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't know about that. I would assume that if you're uh, anybody, be you a politician or a businessman or just a regular civilian, whatever, um, if you have assets and you you know pay taxes after these assets, then you have records and you probably have an accountant who says, okay, like this is what you own. And then you make these declarations. I, I would assume, and if I was just gonna go out and assume the absolute worst of why this happens, why they don't include everything, because at the end of the day, and a forensic accountant may be able to look at this and determine this easily. But if you look at what these people have made, I don't know, over the last 20 years from holding exclusively like, you know, jobs as public officials, and you match that, yeah. those figures up with the amount of assets they've accumulated over the years, then you would realize, holy cow, you know, there's no way they could have paid for this based on their salary alone or maybe the salary of their spouse but, or what yes, have you. Yes, but, uh, you know, it is very easy in the current system to hide your assets. It is enough to, to give it to your wife. To It is enough to, to give it to your company and then uh, suddenly it doesn't appear at all in your in your declaration and it is it is right to do so because uh, it is not against the the rules to to give any of your assets to your relatives or give it to your company and so when you guys write about these topics is one of your goals then to encourage legislation that kind of expands and uh, i guess modifies the asset declaration rules in a way to where you know, it's much more transparent. Are you taking like this activist role also? Yes, that would be very good because uh, in this, in its current form, form, this whole system is useless and uh, it gives you the false sense that that uh, politicians are accountable because you see they file declarations every year, but uh, they are actually useless. And I think uh, one other thing that is important that every time you file a story like this, uh, that you get more emails about other people too. So I guess how this works, regardless of politicians reforming the system or not, you file a story about Tasho, then you'll get three emails about his assets and maybe you'll get another emails about some other person's filings and assets and stuff like that. So it's important to keep the ball rolling in this sense because that will get you new stories about politicians breaking the law. And this is, I mean, this is part of how you get information. There's like other ways, sure, but it's important to get tips. Just to go back for one moment, the very reason they they screw it up, the declarations, is because of what you said. They can't legally own as much as they do, so they need to create this facade with the, with the holding companies and with spouses and relatives and stuff like that. The whole system needs to be really complicated, so at the end of the day, should anything happen, they wouldn't be the owner in name of all those things. So they create this complex web of assets and companies and stuff like that. And then it's really hard to track even for them. And the other thing is, sure, if you are like an everyday person, uh, you need to, to, to have a good accountant and you need to have like a good record of what you own because of the tax authorities. But they, these people know that there is no way the tax authority is going to go after them. So for them, it's the pressure is not- well, Who do you mean by these people? The government politicians, mainly. And, and I think uh, opposition politicians yeah. actually do the same. So they use these techniques as yeah. well. Uh, I am currently working on an article on an opposition politician and uh, the same patterns 
can be found there. Yeah, and let's not forget about uh, uh, Shimon. Yeah, who's uh, he was a uh, an MSP politician. He know. was actually, I think, deputy president of the of the Socialist Party, right? Uh, I think he was uh, he was uh, Alain. Yeah, yeah, he was. And just uh, before the 2014 elections, it was right around the time the whole Bucks deal happened. What was it? Late January or something like that in 2014. Yeah where um, this story came out where I guess investigators or somebody found a bank account in Austria with like 100 or was it like 1 million euros or something worth ish. of a, yeah. ish, some kind of the huge amount of money in it that he had not listed on his asset declarations. And then um, and then this uh, immunity committee actually uh, they, they met to discuss this and I think didn't they suspend his immunity? Oh yeah, but I mean that was <laughs> that was a you know, uh the, the the case for that was he was in opposition. So if I'm sure that if he would have been a government MP, Fides or Cadi MP, they wouldn't have been so quick to revoke his immunity. But because he was MSP and because it was uh, during the campaign for the for the general election, this was a great opportunity then to to show how corrupt the socialists are. And don't get me wrong, I mean he did have a secret bank account undeclared. No one knows how he got that money. Even Lazar Janos, you know, with his, uh, he had his son who apparently owns like vineyards in Mad. Do you remember that story? He also has like an apartment. Yeah, he has Buda. a really nice apartment. <laughs> the kid's Buda. like 10 years old. Yeah. And the same about uh, Peter Siarto, who is the foreign secretary, you know. And oh, he, he, he happens to own a very, very big house. And uh, he said that it was uh, bought from, from family corporation. Yeah. Yeah, his, his, his family loans him money. Yeah, you get you get that a lot. And this is what happens when people don't earn enough to own that kind of property. But they do want to have a, you know, a comfortable life. They do want to have that nice villa with the swimming pool and whatnot. And so what happens is they need to find ways to either try to hide it. So they will have it. Koshalayosh had a nice piece of uh, yeah no, uh, he had an apartment uh, here in uh, budapest i think a house yeah but whatever an house, apartment yes. apartment uh, in his uh, in his wife's name so no one knew about it before rtl when exposed it and then yes uh, janos lazar this was in his son's name and Siarto, um, who said that he he got money from his dada and mama yeah, because it is a huge mistake of the current declaration system that uh, that uh, the declarations of spouses and children are not public. And you can easily hide many money and many assets in their declarations because nobody will ever know about it. Well, I guess we, we wrapped up this this section then. Uh, Juji, thank you for coming by and talking to us about this. And then we look forward to reading more of your work. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you. So that was the What's Up With Hungry podcast for this week, signing out and wishing you a pleasant weekend. It's me, Ben Novak, and Mr. Peter Erde. Bye-bye. Goodbye.